0: Welcome to the worship of God. Whenever we gather for the worship of God, the purpose of worship is praise. Now as we praise God, we are encouraged to love one another. As we praise God, we are encouraged to grow our lives. As we praise God, we celebrate that Nancy Davis is here today, (laughs) and that applause is for God, of course as well as Nancy's good presence among us. And so as we do, we celebrate the diversity in God's world. That's what we're going to sing about on this first hymn, hymn number 40, Let the Whole Creation Cry. In fact, I like best the last stanza. It says, Men and women, young and old, alleluia, raise the anthem manifold, hallelujah, and let the children's happy hearts in this worship do their part. That's what we will sing, let's stand together and do so.
1: join with me in our litany of invitation and confession. We gather to hear God's call to service. Let us affirm the claims of Christ, who claims us all in love. We listen
2: for God's speech. We are ready to hear Him.
1: With longing hearts, we desire to experience God. With joyful songs and earnest prayers, we seek God. Sisters and brothers, let us live out our calling as a faithful community, and let us be honest in the confession of our sins. We confess our misplaced loyalties and ambitions. We confess our enslaved passions and greed. We ask God to forgive us,
2: We We pause pause for a moment of silent silent confession.
1: is abundant in forgiveness and full of grace. We are forgiven. Let us live by the faith that makes us whole, and let us listen for the call and claim of God.
0: Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church, and especially to this place while we're meeting in our chapel. Uh, on this day, we welcome those who are guests among us. If you're a guest here today, there is on the edge of the order of service a welcome card. If you take a moment, complete that, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. It'll help me connect name and face with you. And also for anyone who would like to be prayed for by name and by need this week you can place that prayer request on this card as well and drop it in the offering plate uh, when it's passed today is a day both of celebration and service Uh, even as we worship and I speak we have worker bees beneath us who are helping prepare a time of celebration as we have the Super Bowl SOUPER Super Bowl Sunday If any of you are guests please feel free to stay Uh, a lot of us have cooked soups and chilies and things and it will be a time of fellowship but also it's a time of service and that we'll be giving money that goes toward world hunger both in the Atlanta area and around the world so if we smell that good aroma that's where we're headed Uh, and so as we worship today there'll be three scriptures Uh, the gospel lesson is what I'll be preaching on today so listen to that in particular but also a reference to the epistle lesson as well where Paul pleads for his friends in Corinth to live in one accord to be people of unity even though there was a lot of uh, partisan politics in the church now the scripture we're about to hear that dr. Priscilla Eppinger will read is a text that we read not too long ago Matter of fact, it's a text that comes from, from Advent that reminds of God's light among the darkness. Welcome to the worship of God.
1: The prophet writes a poem of hope a promise of light to those who walk in darkness, a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter nine, beginning with the first verse. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, He will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Will you join me in prayer? Holy God, we are sometimes all too aware of the deep darkness around us. We hear of earthquakes, most recently in Turkey and Puerto Rico, of fires across and around Australia, of inundations then bringing landslides, of blizzards, of melting polar ice caps, the darkness feels deep. We hear of war and rumors of war, threats, withholding of diplomacy. We hear of violence, of mass shootings, and of demonstrations out of a desire to always be armed. We hear of deceit and wonder how we are to know truth from falsehood. The political turbulence, indeed, and trial of a president right now Feels like we are in a land of deep darkness. And yet on us, light has shined. You have given us light. So help us remember, make us mindful that that light is available to us, that darkness has not overcome it. Put in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, that in our political and social commitments, in our comportment at work and school, in our family life, and our relationships with those closest to us. Let us live already in your reign, that those who see us might see a reflection of light, and know that the reign of God is indeed at hand. Here are. O oh God, for we pray through Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
3: Um, The Appeal of the Apostle Paul for the Church to not live in conflicts or divisions, but rather be united in Christ. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Here ends the second lesson. I'd
4: like to invite all the children to come forward at this time. Thank you. If you have an offering, will you play? Pastor Daniel's holding. Thank you. Well, I brought a few things today. I'm going to go do some fishing. I have my pole. And then what do i have here a tackle box, a tackle box. what's in a tackle box worms. worms let's see worms and yucky stuff now wait don't touch anything tackle boxes can be scary sit down all right now look i got some worms in here you can t- you cannot you can touch it through the package you cannot touch one inside the package they're yucky and greasy and they have stuff on them to make the fish want to want to see it more closely so I brought my my tackle box I got this isn't really my tackle box this is Norm's tackle box he let me use it wasn't that nice he helped me go fishing look I got some bobbers here this like lets you know if the fish are coming over tells you how you're doing These are the hooks right here. So I got this this, uh, tackle box. I'm all set to go fishing. I got all my stuff. I got everything that I need. And, you know, I brought it today because there's a story that we're about to hear about two people that went fishing. And Jesus joined them, and he told them not to fish anymore. He said, not that kind of fishing, another kind of fishing. And it was two of the disciples. And we're going to hear the story of how he called them. But I brought this fishing stuff today because I was talking to one of my friends, and she's a teacher, and she told me that she was having her students write about things that they believe, and you know what she told me? She told me that a lot of her students who are seniors in high school, you know what she said? She said a lot of them wrote about how they didn't believe in God anymore, and how they didn't believe in Jesus anymore made me really sad when she told me that. She told me that a lot of her students, like the majority of her class, didn't believe in Jesus anymore. And that made me sad because I thought about our story today when she said that. See, Jesus came to the two disciples, to James and John, right, today. That's who we're calling today. He came to them. I can't remember. He came to them and he said to them, he said, come follow me. He didn't say too much else. He just said, come follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. So instead of fishing for fish anymore, he said, come with me. And you know what? They did. Jesus said, come, and they came. They went with him. They were his disciples. How do you think they knew to follow him? You think so? You think so? Jesus told them to come. What do you think they thought about Jesus? So they went. But you know, let's think about those kids in my friend's class. Maybe somewhere at some time, Jesus said to them, come follow me. But now they say to themselves, I don't know. I don't want to. No. So how did that change? When, when, did, when did they stop following? When did they stop hearing that? And I think somehow I got to thinking about what maybe that they heard because our two disciples today, they heard Jesus and they came to follow him. But I think when we hear Jesus, maybe do we always hear Jesus' voice sometimes? But I think the voices that we hear of Jesus' disciples around us, in other words, other Christians, I think those voices are so important. And sometimes when you have a tackle box full of bait, you go fishing, but sometimes as Christians, we need to fish with a different tackle box. And maybe we need some different things in there. Jesus just said put the nets down and come follow me and you can fish for people. And I think how they did that was with some love. See, the love is sweeter than anything else. And Jesus has lots of love for everyone. Everyone So this week, I want you to take one of these pieces of chocolate, and you can take one for a friend if you want. And I want you to give one. Take one for your friend. I want you to give someone a piece of this chocolate shaped like a heart. And I want you to tell them that Jesus loves them and that you love them too, okay? Because that's a tackle box that we all need to refresh and refill, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Help us to love others and tell them that you love them too. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and James and John to come and follow him. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of zebulun and naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet isaiah might be fulfilled land of zebulun land of naphtali on the road by the sea across the jordan galilee of the gentiles the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is Peter, and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be
0: want to make sure everybody can hear well enough. I sure appreciate all the uh, audio augmentators on our audio committee. Um, it's more like being an exorcist than it is uh, anything else. There sounds like a, a hum. You hear a hum. Is that about, a, about an e or an Ah, there it went. It's a miracle. <laughs> all right. Well, how about that? At first glance, the story you've just heard sounds like the gospel according to Norman Rockwell. It's so idyllic. Two sons and their father on a fishing trip. It's kind of like Andy and Opie, you know? You can almost uh, hum along. But it's not as idyllic as it first looks. Matter of fact, you can look on the faces and imagine picture of these two sons and their father, Zebedee, and you can see on their faces uh, worry lines, lines that are weary, deep as stress fractures. These peasant fishermen are stressed out. Of course, Jesus walks into the picture. He comes there to save the day, And, of course, when Jesus is there and calls them and they say yes, then they live happily ever after. Or not. Not so fast, I guess. The permeability of this story has a lot of gaps and holes in it. And these gaps and holes invite our imagination. For imagine, how do you reckon that they decided that moment to leave everything and go follow Jesus? text doesn't say. But I guess if we are lured in, pardon the pun, and we take the bait, pardon the pun, by the writer, and with poetic license, I'm going to take a guess, maybe it's got something to do Jesus calling them because they were, they were mending, and they knew how to do that. Not just their nets, but he was calling them to come mend their lives. That's the word that I want to hold up for your consideration today about mending. Katharizō uh, it is in Greek, and Steve can correct me on that pronunciation later. But that's close enough. Thank you, Steve. Katharizō <laughs> it it means it means to to mend things, to put things back together, and that will be on the test, by the way, at the end. And it might just come to mind, while I'm preaching this sermon, that there may be something that needs mending in you, or in me, or in us. For every Sunday, like today, we brought pieces of ourselves, and our souls, and our sins, and our secrets, all the frayed edges, and all the afraid edges within Could our being here today be an opportunity to attend to our mending? I've been quoting lately O'Neill's statement, We are born broken, we live by mending, and the grace of God is the glue. Now Will Willimon, who I generally like, says these guys must have been the world's worst fishermen. Zebedee, James, John, he says they're always mending their nets. Whenever you come to them in the Bible, they're always mending their nets. Well, I figure Willamond must not be a fisherman. <laughs> Do I need to promise that'll generally be the last pun of the, the sermon? <laughs> uh, tackle has to be tended. Rocks tear at it, UV rays prematurely age. That which is braided comes unraveled. And when the fish are biting, you don't want to be the only one in the boat that's dealing with the bird's, bird's nest of your tangled line while everybody else is catching fish. What these guys are doing is they are preparing by repairing. They're getting ready to fish. So what was the deciding moment like that finally said, yes, we will say yes? Well, again, the text doesn't say it allows room for imagination. Here are a few perhapses. Perhaps, perhaps they leaped out of the boat when Jesus called and said, we thought you would never ask. You've been walking up and down the shore for weeks. Thank you for asking. In fact, it wasn't a hard decision. Let's see, which do we choose? Long days, back-breaking work, dealing with stinky fish and stinkier fishermen, or... Follow a charismatic rabbi who has the power to multiply loaves and fishes. Well, this could be a win-win. The answer is yes, we're all in, perhaps. Or perhaps these two brothers looked at each other. Are you? I don't know. Are you? I don't know. I will if you will. I will if you will. Maybe they were ready to vote, and they knew that it would come out 53-47. And so they said, why even vote? Also, I noticed they mentioned the daddy, Zebedee, but he wasn't consulted at all, was he? I mean, I would think that he's the CEO of the Zebedee Co-op, and uh, whatever decision was WWZD, what would Zebedee do? at least they would glance at his eyes. What do you think his eyes told them? What do you think his advice would be, you know? Was it, you go on, you two whippersnappers, you young people, if I were 30 years younger, I would go with you, I would abandon ship, I bought the ship, I would leave as well. None of that, That's, I'm ending that as well. Did he try to dissuade them? Or did he just bless him and let him go? Maybe he sat in the bottom of the boat in despair, stared at the horizon, and said, go on. I'll try to make it without you. We don't know. The story is intentionally imprecise. So we have to add in our own story to make it complete. I come back to the mending. Maybe it's a skill set that Jesus admired that he wanted to repurpose. For the first two, he said, I'll make you, you fishermen, I'll make you fishers of people. Maybe it just didn't get in the text. You are mending, I will make you menders of others, repair persons of people. After all, they were experienced in Catarizzo. The early church needed that skill as well. If You heard what Jenny read a few moments ago. There were partisan divisions in the church in Corinth, allegiances to personalities rather than the purpose of the church at Corinth. Paul said that they should be united in the same mind and principle. I scratched off the dust from my Greek New Testament, looked up that word united, and guess what? It's the same root word from the first word. This one is katarismos same route as mending, to put together again. Healing and wholeness, it turns out, is not just something you and Jesus do. It's not just a personal journey. It's true for the church as well. We are in this together. We live by mending, and the grace of God is the glue. The biblical scholar John Dominic Crossan, who, by the way, must be the patron saint of the art and soul class. In every email I have seen this week, back and forth, it's, I, I vote for crossing. I vote for crossing. Um, if the choice was Jesus or crossing, you'd go with crossing. I think. Uh, he says that these peasant fishermen, in this rather simple idyllic story, were linked to a darker story. Here's a little historical setting 101. It says Herod Antipas was the po- the Roman potentate of the Galilee region. In Crossan's book, Excavating Jesus, he tells about how Herod Antipas built a new capital, Tiberius, in the southwest side. I've stayed there. It's on the edge of Galilee. And he did so by taxing the people to whole new levels, taxation and commercialization. In that book, Crossan uses the case study of this Galilean first century fishing boat that I also saw when I was in the Holy Land. It was excavated in 1986, and they call it the Jesus Boat. And it was the workhorse of the Sea of Galilee. It's about 8 by 26 feet long. It was one mast, one sail, four oars, one rudder, and could house about 15 people in it. That's what they used to work the sea. But this boat, says Crossan, is a case study of what had happened to the peasant culture because of Herod all around Galilee. He says, in that one boat, there are 12 different kinds of wood, not whole planks, pieces of planks, cobbled together, maybe cannibalized from other boats that just couldn't go any further. He says, it's a wonder the thing could have af- could floated at all. It must have leaked like a sieve poor people that use this were doing the best they can, but he said it was its own symbol cobbled together with the pieces of life of what Herod had done to the Galilee region. Romanization by urbanization for commercialization. Herod had turned these peasant fishermen whose fathers and fathers' fathers had had free access to the Lake of Galilee, they had turned them into defense contractors. They were the low men on the totem pole. Everything cost. Launching the boat, cost. Beaching the catch, cost. And Herod's factories for salting, pickering, pick, pickling, drying, and taking care of these fish to feed the soldiers and the builders took precedence over anything that an entrepreneur could do. Everyone had become a conscripted producer for Herod, and desperation was boiling. Now, I figure that we need this kind of eat your spinach scholarship from time to time in sermons, lest we think that Jesus and the early church were not swimming in politics. Even the basic phrase of faith, Jesus Christ is Lord, is a political statement because it says who is and who is not in control. It's not Caesar, it's not Herod, Jesus Christ is Lord. And in so stating, the Christians became kind of enemies of the government. Lest we gloss it over in today's scripture that Priscilla had read, You did you catch that first verse When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, arrested, oh, yeah, that's right, John the Baptist, the one who had readied the way for Jesus, the one whose sermon Jesus copied, because they preached the same thing, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, said John. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, says Jesus. But John, Jesus' cousin, is now a political prisoner because of the content of his preaching great john great bonhoeffer thanks a lot we come to church not really to think about the world out there however we come to think about the world in god and god in the world and that's what we do when we go to world world hunger, eating after our service today. What's God got to do with world hunger? Well, a lot. And if we believe that, how do we partner in God to help heal the world and feed the world? Speaking of the world, each of us has finished the week shaking our heads at the drama under D.C.'s Capitol Dome this week. Regardless of which side of the aisle you side with, my hunch is that you've had plenty of lament to go around. It's been the emotion du jour. I was thinking this morning of John Meacham's book, Presidential Historian. His book is entitled, The Soul of America, The Battle for Our Better Angels. It's a reference and appeal, of course, from Lincoln's first inaugural to me, the battle for a more perfect union sure seems sometimes in retreat, maybe at times like this. It feels scary and sad, and it seems anything but hopeful. Um, perhaps perhaps the cultural toxicity we feel may be needed to activate culture's immune system. Perhaps nationally we're going through our adolescence again at 250 or so years. It's not pretty to go through adolescence, but it's a necessary part of maturity. I think of the song, America the Beautiful. Sometimes we sing it. The words were written by a Wellesley English professor, and then the music was written by an Episcopal church organist in Newark, New Jersey. I always love the song and often get a lump in my throat when I hear it, whether it's sung by Willie Nelson or Ray Charles or the Mormon Tabernacle Tabernacle Choir, who sang it three years ago at the 2017 inauguration. I love the song. My favorite stanza, though, is not about the majesty of the Purple Mountain, or the abundance of the fruited plains. Rather, it's the second stanza. The the first one says, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. But it's the second stanza that says, America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. But mending has made it into our national song. Mending is like a prayer. It's like the serenity prayer that some of us pray daily, prayer of accept, courage, and wisdom to know the difference. Mending is never pretty, whether it is of a person or a parish or of the e unum. Rehabbing is painful, but each of us is responsible. And we are responsible to do it together. We live by bending. And the grace of God is the glue. Amen. is our tradition whenever a word is offered an invitation for dedication is also offered i often talk about that the church is a hospital of sinners and that is a place for us to come and uh, confess and hold and claim what's broken in us and needs healing we don't go to the doctor and try to prove how well we are to go to the doctor and say, Can you help me get well? And I want to believe that uh, church is like that. Perhaps there are those who need to make that decision today. Perhaps there are those who say, uh, Count me in. I'm like the disciples. I'll step out of the boat and I'm all in with the uh, people of Northside Drive Baptist Church. Whatever decision God leads you to make, now is the time for that decision. For a hymn that we will sing that reflects this text. Let's stand together and sing. We have someone coming today that wants to join Northside Drive Baptist Church, and we celebrate this decision with her. You know, Dr. Priscilla Eppinger, she helped lead worship today, and she's been visiting for a while, vetting us. And uh, I asked her about, is it about time to join? And she said, well, only if the preacher will be clear during the invitation (laughs) that it's now come time to join the church and so i wanted to do that also if it's time for some of you to come and confess your sins do that as well but you know just the trustees and the staff alone it would take so much time we'll never get to lunch so uh that'll be later but we so celebrate with priscilla coming today she comes moving her membership from north shore baptist church in chicago I've done an ordination service in that church where Wallace Bubar, if you remember when he used to be a member years ago, was ordained to the ministry. So she comes joining. If you join with me in welcoming her, would you lift a hand? And with that hand comes our welcome and our joy. There are these in the back of the pew rack. I'm going to read on the back of it. It says at the top, the art of worshiping God. At Northside Drive, we've, We put other brochures there to confuse you. But on the back of this one, I'm going to read the part about the celebration of new members. If you can find it, join with me in reading it. As members of Northside Drive Baptist Church, we welcome you as you join us in this adventure of faith and faithful community. We offer you our love, our history, and our hope. We value your story of faith and invite you to serve with us as stewards of God's grace. Priscilla, amen, and welcome home. Now, as a new member, she's also joined the choir. That's also a requirement of new members who join our church, that you're part of the choir. She's going to be joined a part of the choir if you would come and make announcements and concerns of the church will continue worshiping god
5: yes uh, what a delight we celebrate with priscilla effinger joining this is a great day and a great day to follow the service uh super bowl sunday directly after the service below us in the fellowship hall i think we've got up to 20 soups already heating up down there susan dew is in absentia i believe usually our our cornbread maker however the brian knight foundation stepped into action. This is Brian Knight's grandmother's corn muffin recipe and his sister Suzette is down there helping uh, I think along with Jen and they had a big pile of muffins just come out of the oven and I I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I think there are a few left even for you. (laughs) Come down and uh, with uh, empty stomachs to eat a lot but also uh, have the checks ready for your generosity because this is a time to give to our church's hunger fund. So we hope you'll be generous and the Super Bowl that follows this service. Um, Many to pray for, um, but I'll mention two by name, uh, for, for Muriel and Valerie Hardy, Valerie's mother. Muriel is on hospice care. And so we pray for her, we pray for her daughter as she tends to Valerie. We pray for the Manley family. Clay was transferred to a rehab facility this week much to pray for, much to be fearful of, but the psalm, Psalm 27, teaches us not to be fearful. Our sanctuary choir will help us sing those words out loud. Thank you, choir.
0: All-loving God, our hearts rise in gratitude to you for all of your good gifts. As the choir has reminded us, we've looked in various places but have not found the light and the salvation that comes by knowing you and being known by you. Among all of our good gifts today, we give thanks for the gift of Priscilla, that she is part of our story and we are part of hers. Most of all, we are part of your great story. Bless our church and us this week, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. remember now that we have the celebration and service luncheon regarding world hunger super bowl right after the service and it's right down below us in fellowship hall please stay if you're a guest especially please stay and is priscilla still in the narthex there and if she is if she is go that way on the way out beth our chair of deacons will be beside her to introduce all of you to priscilla And so, as we prepare to go now, remember these words. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.